Welcome back to our 15 on the 15th, our bite-sized book club series featuring podcasts designed to help you digest short articles, no more than 15 minutes of reading required. This 15-minute recipe for success is a pent of insightful reading, a dash of engaging discussion that blends together research and classroom practice. My name is Katie LaShawn, and I'm the director of the English as a New Language program here at the University of Notre Dame. Today, we are diving into one of our favorite topics, children's literature, and how literature can be utilized to support our English language learners on their journey of school and language acquisition. Our starting point is with an article written by Giso in Campagno in 2013, entitled Ideologies of Language and Identity in U.S. Children's Literature. Here to help us unpack this topic is Claire Roach. Hi, everybody. And Dr. Erin Limrow. Erin, thank you so much uh, for helping us to understand the difference between multicultural and multilingual text. In this article, there are four themes addressed uh, in five texts that are used as examples. This article really focuses on four themes or four ideologies, um, sometimes complex and contradictory in some ways, that really represent multilingual text. So what kind of text can we have here? Here are four examples. Number one, language is blending in. The second one was silence as resistance, hybrid language identities. Third one is language as culture affirmation. And the fourth one is language is learning from others. Let's dive into really what was said here. So the first one focuses on the language experience of the English language learner and the learning of English as what the article calls unequivocally good. Typically, uh, this is first experienced as exclusion and then moving towards inclusion. Erin, what is an example of this type of text and what are the words of cautions in using texts like this? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, so the article references um, a children's literature text entitled One Green Apple, written by Eve Bunting and illustrated by Ted Lewin. And this text really um, follows uh, kind of the, the story, the narrative of an East Asian girl who finds herself in an American classroom. And the thrust here, when we focus on her language learning narrative, is that her ultimate goal in, in, in coming to school to learn is to learn English, acquire English. And though that is the goal of much of our work in English language learning, right, she does it to um, edit an exclusion of her home language and culture. So <clears throat> the authors warn us a little bit um, that this t- type of narrative, though fitting very nicely into mainstream narratives of kind of the immigrant story, um, the American kind of melting pot myth, which, um, you know, on the one hand, it's very, um, 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 how should we say, welcoming in the sense that everyone fits here and we'll all melt together, you know, for the greater good, right? So on the one hand, that's a very positive, um, you know, an accepting narrative. But on the other hand, it asks much of the individuals that come to exist in that narrative, right? So you can come and, and melt with us, right, only at the expense of your your you know identity, um, your literacy practices from your home culture, your language, right? So the authors ask us to um, notice that not all multicultural texts, right, have a celebratory um, stance or um, towards 
home cultures, home language, and student identities. And this one would be a text, though, on the one hand, affirming of a collectivity um, of, of student identities. It's not affirming in terms of honoring individual student identities. So I, I want to kind of speak about each text as having kind of some good points to it, right? But that when we look at the text that we choose for our young people, that we also understand, and this comes really from a critical literacy frame point, that all, all texts also speak to an ideology. So this one would be one of collectivity over, um, you know, an, an individual's particular identity in this world, and that identities are oftentimes arranged hierarchically, where the, the more American one is, the better, versus the more ethnic or marked student linguistically, culturally. In this case, um, the young woman from East Asia um, is even um, illustrated as wearing her dupata, right? Mm -hmm. So she's also marked in other ways that kind of single her out, making a little bit um, um, difficult for her to just simply melt away into this collective other, right? So um, understanding the ideologies that frame up children's literature also asks teachers then to understand the greater um, narratives we're asking our young people to take up. Right. So if we presented this text in class, we'd also be saying to students, um, you know, who are coming from non-mainstream backgrounds to the message would be really you can melt in if, if only you were to give up to these give other up. identity markers. I think it's just such a good call and a reminder that I can't just check the box in my classroom that I am including multilingual, multicultural text great. Um, mm -hmm. Our job is to first and foremost encourage our children to be critical thinkers, but we ourselves have mm -hmm. to approach these literacy, uh, this type of literacy in these texts with a critical lens asking what exactly, or this maybe this is my takeaway, Erin, what exactly is this text saying about mm -hmm. other languages and other cultures? Um, so that's a beautiful, beautiful point here. The second um, kind of theme that emerges is as opposed to the first categorization in which language of the learner is neither mentioned nor included at all, um, the second subset is entitled Silence as Resistance, Hybrid Language Identities. Erin, um, can you unpack this for us? What does this mean? Sure. Um, and so the authors present us another um, piece of children's literature. This one, um, yes, in contrast to One Green Apple, this book is entitled Mexican White Boy by Matt de la Pena. And... Um, this text really asks us, invites us really to consider the world of a student who is both Mexican and American, so biracial, bi-ethnic, if it were. And in doing so, um, you know, it asks us to really pause for a moment and understand the complexity, the complex social world that students who come from these mixed heritages, these mixed backgrounds, um, you know, live in and must navigate on a daily basis, right? So um, the authors suggest that this text, you know, neither favors uh, the character's Mexican identity over his American identity, but that he is always kind of teasing out the nuances and navigating the nuances of both identities. Um, and so ultimately, uh, what the text shows us is that he neither at times feels comfortable in either cultural space, right? So he's often, he goes to a, a predominantly white prep school, and he notices that his brown skin, um, kind of just from a visual point of view, um, kind of pulls him in with the janitors, with the gardeners, with the custodians, right? So 
as a mixed race, a biracial student, he sees himself um, physically, you know, those are his people, at least, you know, in color, in coloration. And that's a difficult kind of acknowledgement of oneself to say, oh, yet I'm a student here, right? And so how do I not, or why is it that I'm not fitting in with the, the majority of my classmates, at least from that perspective? And um, I think that's a difficult and tenuous landscape for young people, especially, to try to navigate. On the other hand, right, he um, is a student who, um, when he goes home, right, he is um, can often find himself surrounded by his extended Mexican family. And silence um, for him works in a positive way, not necessarily a negative way, because he's constantly navigating these two worlds, right, and trying to discern where is it you know, that I fit. Um, but when he is home and he's surrounded by his extended Mexican family, what I love about this te text is that it honors this idea of hybrid languages and it also honors varieties of Spanish. So this mm -hmm. is pushing up against mm -hmm. the idea that not every uh, Mexican nor every Spanish speaker speaks quote unquote standard Spanish or quote unquote textbook Spanish, right? So this text is really great in that it brings into um, our, our classrooms, right? Um, vernacular Spanish. So, for example, the authors quote sentences like, I got an essay, and hey, this one's mine, vato, right? So these phrases, right, are kind of colloquial, kind of intimate, and very kind of chummy, um, oftentimes between young men, right? And so for this text to kind of highlight these phrases and this variety of Spanish, it's an invitation to push back against, you know, more blanketed ideas about bilingualism or multilingualism, that this particular student is already what we call hybridized, like this hybrid identity. He's not only biracial, he's maybe bilingual, and not only bilingual, he's like bidialectal, and in the sense that he's got access to already you know, a variety of Spanishes, right? So to maybe, you know, make more complex that idea. So it's a great text. It's a great text to kind of, um, at, uh, on the one hand, invite students who may have a similar background into the, his this student's world. Um, but it's also a great text for students, you know, who are coming from monolingual backgrounds or from, you know, a mainstream racial background or a white background to understand, oh my goodness, I know someone like that. I had no idea he or she navigate such complex world every day, right? And I think the text then becomes a learning moment for, for, for all who really who read it. So it's a great, it's a great text and it um, it treats multiculturalism and multilingualism just from a very you know complex and, and, and different standpoint than the first. So I was trying to think of a picture book for younger learners that might also um, illuminate the complexity of the world that these that many of, the, of our students mm -hmm. experience um, with a foot in maybe two worlds or trying to navigate um, between what they experience at school and what they experience at home. Have mm -hmm. you ever read Big Red Lollipop? I have not. However, I'd love to learn more. And <laughs> if it's for younger learners especially, absolutely. So uh, it's by Rukshana Khan, and I thought of it um, for this particular theme. The protagonist is not biracial, but what you encounter is her uh, navigating the world of birthday parties and trying to explain to her mother, who I believe is Pakistani, mm -hmm. I'm not sure, mm -hmm. um, the way birthday parties work in her school. 
because the <laughs> mother wants to invite the mother says you may go to the birthday party if you take your sister with you mm -hmm. and the child is trying to explain to the mother but that's not the way it works here mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so what you really see and and to me what i loved about the book is just that you you come to experience the complexity right a little bit of the taste of a reality of of having of navigating two understandings about the way mm -hmm. something works mm -hmm. um and I'm sure if I looked at it again with the lens of this article, I think maybe more deeply about some of the themes that it's talking about, but it's one of my favorites, right. big red lollipop. Nice, nice. So, so the third theme, Erin, is the idea of language as cultural affirmation. And the authors highlight the book, Before You Were Here, Mi Amor. Did you have any thoughts on that? Oh, I love this book. <laughs> But um, more importantly, on the theme of language as cultural affirmation, what we see here um, is, a, is a very interesting use of both languages, English and Spanish. So the text rolls really from, a, from an English language perspective with Spanish words, of course, interwoven uh, throughout the story. How it, and it is a kind of a naming book, much as Goodnight Moon. So um, those uh, instructors out there, teachers who are familiar with Goodnight Moon, this would be a fabulous kind of partner book, like, uh, you know, that, that could also be on your shelf, right, to honor um, its multilingual nature. But what's, I think, even more kind of important for me from a language and identity perspective is the, the fact that the words in here that are chosen to kind of be highlighted in Spanish are words that have to do with family, okay? Okay, so in the, the circle of intimacy, if you will, of, of one's family now, the words are introduced in Spanish. So um, abuela, abuelo, papi, hermano, all these words are kind of interwoven in the text. Um, and so um, it, that is one of the texts that um, is using Spanish as, as an additive, right, without subtracting from the English language main narrative of the story. And so, um, you know, honoring family in that way through language, I think, is just hugely important and affirms one's cultural identity and, and linguistic heritage. Absolutely. We know that the role of family is incredibly important in our child's life, in our children's lives. So, too, then, is also the role of community and extending that. So kind of the fourth theme that was mentioned is that language transcends the classroom and the home. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the role of community and neighborhood in language development, ultimately how these texts can come to kind of show that type of language learning? The kind of um, forefronting of multilingualism as an everyday lived reality, right? So we're moving from the Mi Amor text where we've got an English language narrative and some Spanish interwoven in um, to one, a text that is a uh, children's text that is really going to look at what it looks and feels like to be surrounded by multiple languages all at once, right? Which I think is a, an excellent um, portrayal of how language really operates, especially mm -hmm. in, in urban centers. Um, even I imagine in, in different spaces in downtown South Bend, for example, or at the library. Um, so this fourth theme, um, language is learning from others, that multilingualism doesn't always have to be this um, roadblock to understanding. We have a text uh, entitled Subway Sparrow by Leila Torres. And this text, as the title suggests, really takes place, um, primarily anyway, um, or one of the, the, the main scenes from the text takes place in the subway, on a subway car, right? And there's a sparrow that gets caught uh, in the car itself. And kind of the, 
the problem solving task for all members in that car is what do we do, <laughs> right? We have this bird flying around and it becomes immediately clear that the speakers or the people on this, in this particular car with this bird, right, all have different language backgrounds and immediately um, what do we do with this bird? Um, it gets sorted out multilingually. So we've got Spanish, we have English, we have Polish, right? Um, and so, you know, here we understand that there isn't translation necessary, that people can come to problem solving with the linguistic tools that they have at their ready. And the, the community members here come together to solve their own problems. So it's really um, kind of a text that honors multilingualism as a reality, a lived reality, and one that um, challenges us all to work beyond those boundaries that might have previously uh, been seen as roadblocks. It's an invitation, right? And, you know, one of the themes that we really like to um, highlight in ENL is to encourage teachers to be joyful mm. about language learning, that um, coming to work with people that speak different languages or have different accents, learning from them can be fun. And that when you exhibit with your students, like a fun-loving nature about, I will learn from you, you will learn from me, I will make mistakes, I will mispronounce, I will say this when I mean this. Um, but we can so we get through this together and um, that this is fun. I mean, I think there's a lightheartedness to this book. Um, and so I think, you know, I mean, it's, it's just a reminder that this, what we, what lays before us is a challenge that's very fun to work through shoulder to shoulder. We encourage you, if you are passionate out there about ensuring that culturally and linguistically diverse children thrive in our Catholic schools, please learn more on our ENL website, enl.nd.edu. On our website, you may learn more about our licensure preparation program, professional development, as well as free resources. Tune in soon to learn more about our work in the development of a two-way immersion Catholic school right here in South Bend. We will be taking a break for the summer, and we look forward to chatting again with you in the beginning of September, most likely around September 15th. Many summer blessings, joys, and fun to you. As always, if you enjoyed this month's conversation, please be sure to subscribe to our channel and to share it with a friend. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please leave a review for us on iTunes and let us know what you'd like to hear about when we return at the start of the school year. Many continued blessings on the important and hard work that you're doing in your classroom.